Hello, this is the Lunar Poetry Podcast. My name is David Turner. Today's episode was recorded on the 28th of July 2016 down in Torquay on the south coast of England. Um, Everything was recorded on location at the Blue Walnut Cafe, which is the home to monthly uh, open mic poetry night, Poetry Island. Before the event, I had a chat with regular host Ian Beach about the history of the night and his involvement and uh, how he got into poetry himself. I've got a poem from everyone that read on the night, so after a short the short chat with Ian, I'll be back to introduce the first half of the readers and then I'll come back and give the names for the rest of them just so that I'm not listing 12 names and it'll be easier for everyone to keep track of who's reading what. I'll use this opportunity to just say a quick thank you to the Arts Council England uh, whose funding or part funding in this project allowed me to uh, travel down to Torquay and record tonight. As usual, if you want to find out more about us, you can go to Twitter. We are silent underscore tongue or Lunar Poetry Podcast on Facebook, SoundCloud and Tumblr. Here's Ian. Hello, my name is David Turner. This is the Lunar Poetry Podcast. Today I'm at the Blue Walnut Cafe in Torquay with Ian Beach. Um, I'm here to have a chat about the monthly poetry night, Poetry Island. So maybe we could start with uh, you telling us a bit about the night, Ian. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, David. Um, yeah, well, Poetry Island started nearly seven years ago. It was started by a man called Chris Brooks, who's um, a poet and stand-up comedian. And uh, he did lots of events, but there wasn't one local to him in Torquay. So he decided to set this up, and it's been running ever since, every month. Uh, he ran it for a couple of years, then he passed it on to Robert Garnham, who is here tonight, and you'll hear him later. Uh, Robert ran it for about three years, and then I was delighted when he asked me if I'd like to take it on. Mm. Um, so I've been running it for nearly two years now. It's essentially the same event, but it's developed, and we've each given it our own personal twist. And uh, it's a very successful event that uh, draws headliners from all over the country, uh, some real leading names in, in the performance poetry world, and also some of the very best performers from the southwest. People travel quite a long way just to do five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as the headliners who do half an hour. Yeah, I was, ju- I was just about to say, um, could you tell us a bit about the structure of the night in terms of having features? And- yeah, well, it, it's. Um, I think when it started, it, it, it was an opportunity for anyone to come along and have their say and there are there are a lot of events where that that's very important and there are a lot of events where that still takes place locally um, but it, it's developed into a, a more structured night so it, it, it's not an open mic everybody who's on on the program is uh, personally invited to be here oh, I see. we do have new people but we don't have new people that we, we haven't heard them before I see yeah. whether it's uh, by seeing them perform live or or uh, looking at YouTube or wherever. Yeah. So um, nobody comes without knowing what the quality is like, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and could you maybe try and give a bit of a picture to listeners about sort of what the scene is like in the southwest? Because mm. you said that people travel quite far to come yeah, to Turkey. Um, is that because of a... Is it purely because of the quality of the night, or is it also down to sort of lack of opportunities elsewhere? Um, well, there's... There's a mass of opportunities in the southwest, and um, lots of people on the circuit in the southwest they, they're performing several times a week. Um, so, for instance, I, I don't do as much at the moment because my partner's ill, 
but um, last week uh, I was performing on Wednesday and doing a radio show on Sunday and and then performing again on Monday so uh, and I'm meeting a group of fellow travelers um, people there's a lot of them um, in the two nearly two years uh, we've had 67 different poets perform here okay so it's not as if it's an exclusive little club of five <laughs> or six there are a lot it's a very vibrant scene throughout the southwest and people are prepared to travel 20 30 miles to be at events that interest them yeah could you maybe give us a bit of a flavor of who you've had on featuring in the past yeah sure um well we've had um big names like joelle taylor who runs Slambassadors UK. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Vanessa Casuli and uh, my daughter Megan Beach, who uh, both have uh, the Women Who Spit films on BBC iPlayer, are still available to hear. Um, we've had uh, Johnny Fluffy Punk, who's well known to many people across the country, and uh, Matt Harvey from Radio 4. He lives in Totnes, just down the road, and he's a uh, good supporter um, lot, lots of top names I, I, I'm sorry I haven't mentioned the others no, <laughs> no insult no, to probably, any of them I probably haven't got time to go yeah, yeah. I mean you were showing me before there's an yeah. extensive list but I might put mm. um, some more information in the description to the, to yeah. the audio when it goes out so yeah, people sure. can get more of an idea um, yeah. as to who's, who's been well, on and who they're likely to see mm. obviously there'll be links to your Facebook event Facebook page anyway. yeah the Facebook page uh, can be scrolled backwards yeah. uh, through the whole history really and you can and um, the thing is I have been a professional photographer um, for many years don't do much now most of the photography I do now is poetry photography okay. so uh, each event I photograph so there are photos of all the performers mm. uh, yeah I suppose my might end on this question but how did you get into reading poetry to right well full of people um it's through my daughter megan actually um she she came back from bristol one night well when i saw her after she'd been to bristol she said uh, i went up to bristol and I, I entered a slam and i won it and i went back with her uh, to the next one where she was uh, headlining as part of the prize and um, I started taking to her events, taking her to events and um, everything went extremely well for her but I, I thought I fancy having a go at this myself so uh, it's not quite four years since I started uh, it's only four years since I wrote my first poem and um, it's become my life uh, it's a wonderful family of, of people uh, throughout the country but the Southwest group made some wonderful friends and met some amazingly talented people so it's a joy to be part of it and to attend other people's events and support colleagues and friends yeah, yeah. It's uh, a familiar I'm so story glad I got into country, it it's, uh, yeah. people are really uh, it's it's nice how welcoming people find mm. the poetry community once they find it you know because yeah. it's, it's um, I mean I've only been involved for a couple of years myself mm. and before that I was completely ignorant of it. I, I wasn't mm. aware of any nights, and now no. there's something you know I'm yeah. overrun with nights to go to yeah. people to talk to, um, and it's really welcoming as well. It's, uh, it, it is very welcoming, and uh, like yourself, I didn't know there was a community. I didn't know there was a poetry community, and um, once I discovered it, uh, I was really glad to become part of it. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll wrap up there because okay. uh, my intention is to record the event tonight. Mm. So you're going to be hearing quite a bit more from Ian. As he's featuring 
Yeah, it's a it's a, a new when when Robert handed over to me, Robert Garnham uh, handed over running poetry on to me. He said, "Don't forget to give yourself a headline set." Uh, so nearly two years later, I decided this was the night, and um, I did. I, I I've offered myself as a sacrifice in a way because July and August sometimes the audiences aren't as large because yeah. there people are away. We've got people at WOMAD and doing all sorts mm-hmm. tonight, um, but we still got a good crowd. Um, so I thought I'd choose this one. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, um, thank you, Ian. And uh, yeah, the rest of you, uh, well, enjoy the rest of the program. You're going to hear some really good poets tonight. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Ian. So coming up now are the first set of readers. We begin with the host for the evening, Robert Garnham. He's followed by Paul Mortimer, Ellie Davies, Rich Green, Rosie Stewart, and Ken Beavers. We've not got a title yet, um, so it's just called Poem. <laughs> You may have been an octopus, but you were always the girl for me. I think it was on our third date that I realised you were an octopus when you showed me your tentacles. I always was a sucker. (laughs) You put your arms around me as we were watching TV and still you'd be able to make a cup of tea and do the Sudoku. You said men can never multitask. I said, true, guilty as charged, we just concentrate real hard. You said men can't squeeze into milk bottles either. I said, that's just weird. (laughs) I offered you marshmallows, you offered me some plankton. I offered you some Chardonnay, you offered me some plankton. I offered you some calamari, you said, that's my aunt. (laughs) It was at this moment I began to have my suspicions that you were an octopus and not a receptionist from Ipswich. (laughs) You are so squishy, let's make sushi. Nothing finer than watching the EastEnders omnibus with an octopus. Nuzzling now, tentacles moving, writhing, gooey mass, and those big round dots all over my bare flesh where your suckers have been. Marvellous mollusk, do it again. Marvellous mollusk, do it again. Sensuous mollusk, camouflaging yourself against the backdrop of my bedroom curtains. Where are you? Where are you? I can see you. Okay, let's make out in the bath. Slimy octopus, ooze on ooze, limbs and arms, and just one hour of one enormous fumble, rhythmic writhing of bare skin on brine, and a sly squirt of ink in this, the great embrace, a cuddle times four, spasmodic osculating octopus, oscillating in the sheer octopusy lip smack beat kiss squid-like romance being slithered on in eight separate places. Oh, 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 oh. If this is straight sex, then I think I like it. Last Thursday, you gave birth to 20,000 eggs. They're in the fridge. Thank you very much. Someone tried to persuade me to have a tattoo once, and uh, I still haven't got it. Uh, and this is a story about that. It's called It Didn't Bleed. We talked about a tattoo. 
I agreed to go under the scalpel. It would be a Welsh dragon. A celebration of the Grand Slam. I need cash, I said. Left the parlour and didn't return. Now seven years later, I'm back in the chair, actually in the chair like it's a visit to the dentist. But it's a different town. He dabs alcohol on my ear. And I wonder if I should ask him for a shot, but it's not the done thing. So I man it out. Here comes the needle. A punch and clunk. And it's gone. A piece of ear I've had since before I was born. It didn't bleed, he said, sounding rather disappointed. <laughs> well, he had my skin. I needed to hold something back. <laughs> breaking up and again it's 2007. Mine are the Jackie Collins, yours the Wilbur Smiths, Catherine Cookson's are your mother's, I don't even have them, I don't give a bit. No the Streisands are all mine, the monkey's yours and the clash, you can take your bong, I won't miss the smell of your hash. We can divide the cutlery, you can add the knives in your back. Is this what we've come to to end our married lives? I'll keep the crown derby, it was a present from my mum. The microwave is on the blink. You can have that, Tom. Of course, I get to keep the house, the car, the dog, the children too. Yes, I'm sure that you'll miss them, but you should have thought of that before you got involved with that sneaky cat. You can take the tank of fishes. They bore me to death. Don't forget to let me have your new address. No, Tom, it's no use. Of course, you can't stay. I used to love you once, but you threw it all away. Remember not to go before giving back your key. I'm sure you'll be glad to be free. That's it, he's gone, slamming the door. Now I can check what's mine, not ours, or his, or yours. He's taken the wedding photos. What do you think of that? A tear, just one, is running down my cheek. Tom, dear, why did you have to be so bloody weak? <laughs> this is, um... Hi, um, I'm gonna try this one. I wrote this um, quite recently. It might need subtitles, um, <laughs> but it's a northern poem uh, from a northern bloke. It hasn't got a title yet, but I dare call it poem because he'll have me for libel. <laughs> <laughs> My father said to me one day, Lad, that's to only keep. And I'm getting out and out these days, here ligging eight asleep. Get this end out door wall, I'll sort this on my tart. There's an out and out in this life, lad. Get up and sort it out. I went down to the door all next day. He'd snuck me out of bed. He said, that's got a job. Has that got a job for me? Like my old man said. I best get this any you old love. There's plenty of 4D and rates you off. Like chuffing them one, snaked out in front of me. I must have given it half an hour before I'd had enough. My father reckons there's loads of jobs. It can't be that bloody tough. So off I went to the factory with ideas above my station. Where Gaffer said, we've now for thee lad, too many qualifications. Half a dozen places later and not a bloody nibble. I can't come off at the street, lad. Now, nah, off that goes, don't quibble. So I went home and snuck inside so as not to raise alarm. Living room stopped nice and cosy and half were bright and warm. Don't worry, lad, I know as I tried. Get this end off to bed. Looks like they'll have to take this into college now instead. <laughs> Pillar. <laughs> 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 um, 
This is a poem that I wrote for my auntie's 60th birthday, which was last month, and her name is Pearl. Woven into 60 years are nearly 22,000 days. Each day a swirl on your fingertip, a pearl on a string. Some days are threaded on all at once in a blur and a bluster. Some days are sweeter, held in your palm, new shoes and dozy dogs. And some days aren't days at all, but extraordinary moments. A wedding day, a baby birthday, days for new names, wife, mummy, nana. With grace and poise, you wear them, 22,000 days, threaded together perfectly, pearls of great price, worn with great pride. Thank you. Line Scrabble. We had words last night. She started it. <laughs> Talked of work and the hours that dragged like training ropes. The bloody headlines of the news. Something had to <coughs> offer hope. So after tea, craving beauty, she said, aquamarine and the colours of sea glass bathed our grass settee. Gossamer silence. Our silences I've always loved, like cinnabar and velvet. All these erased the day's casual profanities. Be sublime. Shout shimmer at your football team. Tranquility and butterfly to all MPs on question time. Curse your PC with celandine, or marigold, or filigree. Truffle and kerfuffle will shock the referee. Antimacassar, mellifluous, flamboyant, and plantagenet. Auburn, this town needs attractive words like that. Her turn to write them now. Onomatopoeia, doppelganger, you know I can't spell, you screenshank. Xylophone and pharaoh, now you are annoying me, you amaryllis, you sycamore marshmallow, beloved, caress, lullaby. Last night, we exchanged words, her and I. <laughs> And to finish off the episode, we have Chrissy Banks, followed by Nick Kitto, Rose Cook, Graham Birchall, and three poems from Ian Beach's feature set on the evening. Another bed poem. Yes, I don't know why everybody doesn't write about beds, because, you know, we all spend so much time there. We have love poems and poems about loss and poems about the natural world. Why doesn't everyone write about bed? So, a life in bed. But being born in, getting warm in, seeing in the dawning, 
a place to make your very own soft porn in. For crunchy toasting, reading posting, for dreaming of the one you love the most in. For fumbling in or grumbling in, for tumbling into on those drunken nights when you come stumbling in. For enjoying a well-earned rest in, inviting the occasional guest in, revealing the charms of your chest in. <laughs> for planning the future in, deciding to change the rut you're in. In. For watching telly in, reciting Shelley in, for scoffing cream and jelly in, perfecting holding your belly in, in. For snoring in, jaw jawing in, for late night warring in, for sniffing and crying in, why oh whying in, for dying in. actually called coming home question mark but it's quite hard to know how to say that you should say it in an australian accent coming home <laughs> we lie entwined the silence between us punctuates the bardic tangle our very joining our very joining elemental and now i feel all of me deep within her murmured moans as moorland wind the warm enclosure of her unforgettable Burned in memories, suspended at synapse. Who could have known that chance meeting? A poet, catalyst to digital unfurling. Single, maybe. For you, definitely. Gin trap mind, perfectly encased, a porcelain shell. Living paradox, powerful, brilliant, brave, yet fragile. Butterfly wings, perfect webs, freshly spun delicately poised in corners behind the weary facades of a long-forgotten town. A star, some other place, long hidden in routine shadow, now burns bright, fierce as flame, draws me now moth-like. I drink your scent, touch your words. I know that to bathe in the light that you will wash, warm, fill me, and I will wake in another place, unknown yet familiar. I will ask myself, is this home? Okay. This happened in Totnes High Street a long time ago. Second time. The second time I met you, it was your lunch hour. And you were walking up the street as if you had clown's boots on. And I said, why are you walking like a clown? And you freaked out, and you said you weren't. You were walking normally, but with awareness. And you stomped <laughs> off carefully, still wearing your boots. And I remember thinking how funny you were, and that your hair shone blue in the sun. <laughs> Song and this is not a breakfast poem, and this is the uh, the softest breakfast with a yellow-bellied son. It's for Yvonne, my sister-in-law. You'll see why. The skin so soft, product that you promised would ward off biting insects, works. Instead of strutting to the veranda and help yourself, kitchen scratching at lumps gifted by mosquitoes, 
The legs are like satin. Texture of some exotic fruits found in a plastic container in the fridge. Fruits to be taken with tea and toast where sunlight is fragile, ephemeral, like life. And between spoonfuls of sour sop and mame sapoti, there's a shock of soft torrential rain. It passes like a wavering curtain to leave a tap dance of drips before the yellow-bellied sun dares to show itself again before a yellow-bellied sunbird is conjured between the blush-pink spathes of an exotic flower, its thrumming heart kerneled in quilted patches of indigo, yellow, brown. Thank you. Uh, the, the next poem is, um, is a biographical and autobiographical poem and um, very important poem to me and it was um, it refers to events in the 1970s and it's called Sally it started at the ice rink on that school trip two sixth formers holding hands to stay upright failing and falling before the end of the evening crashing into the slush your clothes wet through Mine completely dry due to the double bonus of falling on top of you. <laughs> Ten weeks of teenage romance before the day your mother died at the wheel, driving home to Flangotland, still in her 50th year. I'm so glad I knew her, if briefly. Two perplexed 17-year-olds, we stumbled on, but you needed to be with your father, and we slowly drifted much later, when a student in Liverpool, you wrote to me, a student in Exeter, and said that you missed me. Older and marginally wiser, we resumed our youthful romance, both of us glad of a second chance. I recall so clearly the day we converged on the corner of Bridge Street. You burst into view, a vision of perfect young womanhood strikingly exquisite in the bloom of your 21st summer. Love and young man's vanity coursed through my veins at the sight. Beautiful, long, tall Sally, happy and proud to be meeting me. 200 miles can take their toll, and before New Year, we were no more. You were exactly four weeks younger than me, then. But though I always hoped to, I never saw you again. The regular call home from the Red Rill November phone box brought the news that I could scarcely believe. Now you have had nearly 35 years head start on eternity. I have some photographs and memories etched deep inside my heart. One day my girls may find your letter when they inherit their mother's love. But I know, however long I may live, I will never forget you. <coughs> Beautiful Sally, who had so much to give, but who never reached 22. <laughs> Downstairs in our council house home in North Wales, if not in the hall, you were either in the kitchen or the other room. 
Through the haze of time, I recall a moment that changed my life. When you're 21, you're too young to know the unuttered words that left unsaid, you'll live to regret decades later. Home from university, full of ideas, hormones, all-knowing confidence and youthful insensitivity. My parents, with early morning and full working day ahead, me, slouched in front of the late-night film to while away the early hours before another aimless day begun at noon. I still see him, stood in the doorway, about to climb the stairs, pausing and saying to me, Good night, Ian. Good night, my good-natured but brief reply, eyes returning to the flickering screen. But he did not move. I turned and saw his saddened eyes, and then he slowly spoke. You never call me Dad. Surprised, I managed, oh sorry, good night Dad. He smiled, glanced away, and left. Men of his generation kept their feelings buttoned down, as if emotional emancipation and literacy had yet to be invented. He learned to drive in a tank and seldom spoke of all he witnessed in 1944 and 45. Not forgotten, but buried. Sometimes we learn the truth when we least expect it. He would never dream of saying I love you to his full-grown son. Never again did I fail to acknowledge his poignant, proud paternity. Yes, I always called him Dad from that day on. And still do, all these years later, though he is now long gone. So, here's to the Stoke City FA Cup final that you dreamed of, and incredibly, I have seen. And my three precious daughters, you would have bounced upon your knee. Now I know what you felt. I hope they will always call me Dad. in the green folder. Oh, this one, this is a sort of um, love poem too. Um, it's about mathematics and love, this one. And um, it's called The Numbers Game. We too. Words we seek to affirm an absence of solitary confinement, a refinement of our state of being a new form of oneness, no longer one and only, lonely and single, consigned to dust. Life unleashes we too after we too, each a hoped-for permanence, as shifting as time sands beneath our feet. Once there was a we too, officially endorsed, allegedly destined to last a lifetime through, Sufficiently robust to become first we three, and in quick succession we four and then we five. Multiplication and additions in our lives, followed by divisions and mutual subtractions. We five became for me, we one plus three times two sevenths, our weekly allotted span. Many attempts 
to establish a new we too as the years have seeped away. One so close, though she was truly loved, the plus three times two sevenths finally split us asunder. The we too that was purely just me, infrequent peck on the cheek notwithstanding. The we too which was merely me occasionally with you, divided by the score or more of years, wrong numbers that in your 0.5-hearted way you could never discount. Now, at last, a we two to believe in again, with your plus two and my plus three all fully grown, two past prime numbers repair the abacus of broken dreams. One odd, one somewhat odd, complementary numbers heading together towards infinity.